Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. I want to say thank you so much to Shay uh, for helping lead these kiddos. They've been meeting, taking a few minutes each Sunday morning for the first, I think, 10 minutes or so of their kids' ministry time to practice. And they did a great job today, amen? Yeah. I, I needed that. I needed that. Um, a reminder again, listen, today's going to be a little bit different because we've got a bunch of kids in the room. And so we're, we're going to be people of much grace today. At times during this little sermon, you may be tempted to say, are you kidding me? What is wrong with that parent? But just remember, if you have not already been that parent, one day you will be that parent, and you will also want grace from your friends and family and from your church. Amen? Amen. Uh, before I jump into today's message, I, I really want you to hear my heart for a moment. Um, because we kicked off a capital fundraising campaign in the month of November, we, we talked a lot about that. And I feel like because we've talked about that so much, perhaps Lost in the Shuffle has been something that is really important every December called the Gift of Hope. And the Gift of Hope is a Christmas offering. Please hear me. It's a Christmas offering, not just so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, look at us, we're a church doing a Christmas offering. But the gift of hope Christmas offering, 100% of these special offerings that you give support some really important ministries, some of those people right here in our own congregation. And so you may not understand how this works. If you're, if you're like Matt and Jenny Loving with Trek X Missions, you don't know what it means to be a self-supported missionary. What that means is there is no outside organization giving you a salary, but, but people like the Lovings rely on churches and individuals to help them do what God called them to do. You may not even know what they do. Trek X, they, they take college-age students and they help train them to be missionaries for two years here in Nashville, and then those students are mobilized internationally to serve as missionaries. And Matt has a heart for that, and he does such an incredible job with that. And then you, another couple, Justin and Deanna Terry here in our church. God has opened a door, and he is now going to be able to, in January, go and first move to Tennessee 21 years ago. It's a parachurch organization that partners with students in schools to help them know how to be leaders, to organize clubs on their public school campus with the end of sharing the gospel. Lives are being transformed. And so now Justin and Deanna are moving into a season where they too will rely on churches and individuals to help them. Uh, other ways that the gift, so the gift of hope will help those families. It will help Christy Dyer, who just recently got married, who is still a part of helping start churches in New York. It will help Matt and Lauren Gray, who most of you have met, who are praying through the timeline of when is the right time for them to launch. They're planning a church in South Nashville. It will help with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. If some of you have been Baptist all your life, you've heard of this missionary named Lottie Moon. And so monies go to support international missionaries. It will help with benevolent needs. So there are a lot of ways that the Gift of Hope offering is used. Hear me out. 
100% of your gift of hope offering money goes to these missionaries I'm talking about. So if you haven't had a chance, today at the end of the service, and we'll do this again on Christmas Eve and next Sunday, we moved one of the small Christmas trees to the back of the room, back where many of you signed up to adopt one of 95 children for Christmas. But there is a, there's a, a, um, a big jar back there if you'd like to make a gift towards the gift of hope. Put it back there for us. Just wanted to... And, and let me say this too. It might be good like for the Lovings and the Terrios and for the Grays. Y'all go back there if you would today at the end of the service because some of our people may just want to talk to you about what your ministry is. So I want to talk about the gift of hope. All right. Are we ready? Hey, let me, let me, all the children in the room, all the kids in the room, let me say hi. Can you say hi back to me? Okay. Here's what I know. Already you're listening. Already you're listening. And I know that sometimes for your Bible teaching in your class, it's very different. Because you get to run around and you watch a video and you sing a song. But for about the next 20 minutes, I'm going to ask you kids to do your very best, even Shiloh, my granddaughter, to really try to listen today. Because we're going to talk about some of the important things in the Christmas story. So let me remind everyone, including the children, that we kicked off this series. In fact, Matt Gray preached that day three weeks ago when he talked about the prophet Isaiah. Let me remind you of the prophecy from the Old Testament. We'll put this text on the screen. The promise is in the book of Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then in week number two of our series, we looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus. And really our goal for that day as we looked at God's word was to try to understand all that Mary treasured and everything that she pondered in her heart. Mary, the one who would give birth to the Christ child. And then last week as a church, we looked at this ragtag group of guys, the shepherds. And as we looked at the shepherds, we realized they're really a bunch of nobodies. But the incredible truth in God's word showed us that it was ordinary people that God chose to be the first to receive this extraordinary news about the birth of a Savior. And so that brings us today. And today we're going to look at Joseph. If you watch the video, you figured out how this works each week. And as we think about Joseph, the husband to Mary, and the earthly father to Jesus, listen to me, those of you who are in the room, raising a son, being a dad, some of you dads right now, yeah, I know, this is hard, raising a son, being a dad, yes, it's hard, but I want you to realize, I think it was even more difficult 2,000 years ago. Think about this, dads. Think about this, moms. There were no sonograms. There were no sonograms making it possible for expectant parents to find out if they were going to have a baby boy or if they were going to have a baby girl. But instead, we see in Scripture that God decides, check this out, to have a very different kind of gender reveal party for Joseph and for Mary. And let me just acknowledge right now, I, I love your gender reveal parties. I love seeing you put it on social media, but let's just, let's just be real. Scripture does not record 
any exploding halos filled with blue powder flying through the air. It didn't work that way 2,000 years ago. Now watch this. Matthew's gospel, which we're going to look at this text, captures this moment when Joseph heard the news, it's a boy, and I want you to take note. Listen, don't miss this. I've not even thought about this. When Joseph gets this news that he's going to be the dad to a boy, all of this happened while Joseph was doing something that all dads do really, really well. You know what he was doing? He was sleeping. He was sleeping when he gets the news. Look at the text with me, Matthew chapter 1, the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Here we go. Let's look at the screen. Look at the scripture with me. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Now, I want you to note something. Think about what Joseph didn't do. For most of us, if we have a strange dream, just, just track this with me. After we wake up from that strange dream, we immediately come to our senses and we say, thank God that was only a dream, right? This happens all the time. My wife, Shauna, and I, we've been married for 30 years, okay? And Shauna, I think she dreams more vividly than I do. And quite often in the morning when she wakes up after having a dream, she'll begin to tell me all of the details, and let, sometimes it's just funny, and we laugh about it. Sometimes it's nothing, and we're like, oh, that was random. And y'all, like, sometimes she is literally, like, mad at me. <laughs> Husbands, has that ever happened to you? Your, wife's like, your wife wakes up, and she's mad at you for half the day because of something that happened. I'm like, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't do anything. I promise. I heard the yep. But for Joseph, watch. Here's why I'm talking about that. When he wakes up from his dream, he's good to go. He begins to do what the angels commanded him to do. And really, that's quite amazing to me. And then what I would really love to know as I think about this, as Joseph is now uh, getting his game face on to be a dad, a dad to the Messiah, was he asking all the questions most dads ask? Was Joseph asking the questions, I wonder who he's going to look like? Is he going to look like Mary? Is there a chance he might look like me? Or is he going to look like God? Will he sound like me when he laughs? Is he going to want to hunt? Is he going to want to fish? Is he going to want to play sports? But then, you know, those are just kind of the, the surface level questions. There are more intense questions dads normally ask. Am I going to struggle with like changing the diaper? 
Well, what if he's crying and Mary's not around? What if I can't comfort him? My family will appreciate this one. What if he chokes on something while I have him? We, we often worry about our grandchildren choking, don't we? Yes, we do. And so I'm talking about all of those first-time dad questions. And listen, church, we, the Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe Joseph's thinking he's saying these things. Maybe he's not. I really don't know. But I have to believe there are a couple of things specifically Joseph is thinking about. Remember, the angel told him... The angel told Mary, the angel told the shepherds, your wife is going to give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. So not only do they find out the gender of ill, the angel tells them all, here's what your child's name will be. His name will be Jesus. <clears throat> so Joseph is a smart guy. I don't know if he had to do research. Names had significant meaning 2,000 years ago. And Joseph finds out the name of Jesus means to rescue, to deliver, to save. And then I completely believe after Joseph's dream, he has to be thinking about the most profound statement from the angel in that dream. You know what the angel said, right? Your son will save people from their sins. Your son, Jesus, will save people from their sins. Now, I always think it's good to remain inquisitive as we read the Bible, to, to try to look and listen with a fresh set of ears. So just like Mary, where it says she, she treasured up and she pondered these things in her hearts, we see Joseph. This new dad, he has been blessed by God with this amazing responsibility of welcoming and raising a firstborn son who has been conceived by the Holy Spirit with the incredible thought that his son would be the one to save people from their sins. And so here's what I believe. Looking at the scripture, here's what I believe. I believe as Joseph is taking all this in and he's thinking about all of this, I believe immediately after the birth of Jesus, Joseph is thinking about something we often overlook. He's thinking about what is going to happen eight days after the birth of the Christ child. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. In the book of Luke chapter 2, uh, you know, the, the shepherds, after they are visited by the angel, they decide, we've got to go and see this thing that has happened. And they go, and they visit Mary and Joseph, and they see the Christ child. And then the Bible says that they decide to go from there, and they wanted to tell their story of what they've seen to everyone who would listen. And then right after that, after the shepherds leave, verse 21, Luke chapter 2, verse 21 before I read it, let me remind you, it reminds us of one of God's covenant relationships that we have with him. And it has to be this most powerful moment. Look at Luke 2.21. And so at the end, Jesus is born. At the end of eight days now, when he was circumcised, 
He was then called Jesus at that ceremony. He was then called Jesus. This is his name. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And, and so think about this with me. And I know this, the culture is so different 2,000 years ago in the Jewish community from what we know and experience today. But from the very moment Joseph found out he was going to be a dad to a son, in his culture, he would no doubt begin to have thoughts about precious ceremonies meaningful to their people. He thought about what would happen in eight days after the birth of his son. Because almost all, listen to me, almost all Jewish men in Joseph's day, they would have known the significance, here it is, and the great joy, the joy that comes from one's son, especially your firstborn son, being consecrated into a covenant relationship with God. And so, some of the joy for Joseph is he's, he's treasuring, he's pondering, he's thinking about this ancient tradition. L let me say it to you. It's a phrase we're not familiar with. It's known as the Brit Malah. You're like, the what? Like, yeah, we don't do this. The Brit Malah, which was the ceremony of circumcision, because very soon Joseph knew he would have the opportunity to celebrate this precious time with his son. Why was it a big deal? Well, think about it. It was a big deal because every single young Jewish boy who grew up in this community, they would have observed this play out with the birth of every boy. And so their families would gather together. They would hear stories. Oftentimes, they would be like pushed to the side, standing in the back of the room, observing while extended family were together celebrating this Brit Milah ceremony. And so all young boys grew up knowing that one day, should God allow them to be a father, they too would be able to be a really sacred and meaningful day. And so I... I want you to understand some of the covenant part of what we're reading about when we read the Christmas story. The, the sacred custom of circumcision. It goes back thousands of years to the time of Abraham and the covenant that God entered into Abraham concerning a promise becoming the father to many nations. Look at Genesis chapter 17. We'll put it on the screen. I, I want you to understand why. And so God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. And so every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He, here it is, who is eight days old among you, shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. A few questions. Why the eighth day? Well, think about the significance. Why the eighth day? Is that a big deal? Yes, it is. 
Go back to creation. In creation, God labored for six days toward the completion of all that he was creating. And then we know that on the seventh day, he did what? He, he rested. God rested on the seventh day. So then on the eighth day, a new cycle of a new week, of a new life was set apart for the enjoyment and for the glory of what God started. So when you think about this church, every Jewish son since Abraham came to know the significance of what happened eight days after their birth. And while they were, obviously, they're too young to remember that moment, their fathers and their, their families certainly never forgot this significance. Think about it with me. Joseph, the father of Jesus, bore the mark of the circumcision just as his father did and as his father before him did. And on down the lineage of history that traced back to Abraham himself. I don't know if you've ever noticed in the book of Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus. I won't take time to read that today, but it's right in front of us. <coughs> and so it's likely that Joseph, think about this, now gets to the eighth day. This is, this is where it, it gets really exciting for me. As a father, you've been overwhelmed by the birth of a baby. The circumstances, we know the story, have been less than desirable. And things are going pretty good. You and, you and your wife are figuring out how to take care of your precious new baby boy. And now we get to this eighth day. And it is very likely on this eighth day as they prepare for this ceremony that as they go into this covenant of circumcision, Joseph would have been the one holding Jesus. And as he's holding Jesus, again, I believe that Joseph begins to reflect on the meaning of all the events that had happened, of the meaning of the name of his son, Jesus. He delivers. Jesus, he rescues Jesus, he saves. And then how could Joseph forget what the angel told him? Your son will be the one who will save people from their sins. And so in this ceremony, as Joseph holds the Christ child, he calls out his son's name. And his name will be Jesus. And as Joseph looks into the eyes and into the face of Jesus for the very first time in that precious baby's life, he would bleed. He would cry out in pain during this ceremony. And in that moment, the infant child Jesus was looking into his earthly father's eyes. the eyes of his earthly father connected with his son Jesus, our Savior. Think about this. In this ceremony, welcoming Christ into this covenant with God's people that was established by Abraham. Now just marinate on that for a moment. 
And then I want you to fast forward to 33 years later when Jesus would bleed again. But this time, it was on a Roman cross. And Jesus would cry out again, but this time, it would be for the last time, while this time looking up to his heavenly Father. And in so doing, in so going to the cross, in so shedding his blood, he made a way for all people to enter into a covenant with God for eternity, the new covenant. And so church, as we read this story, we cannot get past the truth that God saves, that Jesus saves, and that in and through Jesus Christ, the joy of a father, both on earth Joseph, and in heaven remains more than we can possibly imagine this Christmas. And so I, I ask you, is Jesus your Savior? Do you know that he came to rescue you? Do you know that he came to redeem you? Do you know that he came to save you? Have you embraced this truth that he's made a way for you to receive him and follow him through his precious son, Jesus Christ? Now, you may be saying to yourself, I'm not sure I understand all that, and I'm not sure I'm good enough to get in on that, but listen to me. To answer question number one, you do not have to understand all of it. The Bible says you come to childlike faith childlike faith, to know that God loved you so much he sent his son. And then you have to answer that second question, am I good enough to really receive this? Yes. <laughs> well, yes and no, you're never going to be good enough. But don't say to yourself, yes, I have to clean myself up first before I see Christ as my Savior. You come to him just as you are, to be your hope, to be redeemer to be the Lord of your life. And I want to invite you to do that today. Well, Kent, how am I supposed to do that? It's, it's December 22nd. It's Christmas time. I got important things to do. Can I just suggest this is the most important thing? The one thing that could completely transform not only your Christmas, but the rest of your life. I'll, I want to pray with you if you'd bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, there are people right now who... Uh, are here this morning. And when I ask that question, is Jesus your Savior? Perhaps there was a little check in their spirit. It's kind of awkward. Maybe they didn't want to respond to that or even know how to respond. But Heavenly Father, through the truth of your holy word, we see once again that you had a plan, God, to give us your Son who became our Savior, who went to a cross, who shed his blood, who took our place so that our sins might be forgiven. And so God, for the people in the room today who are thinking about these questions, can I do that? Can I really 
trust that God would forgive me? Oh, God, show them. Overwhelmingly show them. God, that yes, they can trust you. They can follow you. God, when they say to themselves, I don't get it all. It doesn't all make sense. I pray that you would allow them to come to you with childlike faith. And just to begin there. God, for the person here today who may feel like they've got to get things straightened up in their life. They've got to get it all together. Oh God, let them know that only in and through you and your son Jesus does anything ever come together. And so let us begin at the cross today. God, I pray that your people would be attentive leading them to. God, I pray that we would not ignore the covenant relationships, God, that you allow us to be a part of. And I pray that, God, in these days ahead and the weeks ahead, God, grow us to pursue you, to know you, to rest in you, to trust in you, to abide in you with all of our heart for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.